Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. First, I want to say sorry that last week's episode got loaded late. That was on me. It was a slight delay. Yeah, it was. On me. Not on Alex. Or me. Or you. It's never me. No. But that's because I don't do You'd have to do something for it to be your fault. (laughs) I do things. (laughs) I add color commentary and lightheartedness and... Just kidding. kidding. (laughs) And I'm an easy target for borderline heresy sometimes. It's (laughs) it's been such a busy time. It has. That as we as we always talk about like when this episode airs, Mm. this episode's almost in real time. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Tuesday and it'll be out Thursday. Yeah, we've we had a cushion Mm -hmm. and that cushion is gone. And so it's like (laughs) when you go camping. Yeah. And you take the blow up mattress because you're like, you know what, camping or not, I'm gonna sleep comfortably. Mm Mm-hmm. And then halfway through the night, you wake up and you're laying flat on the ground. Yep. <laughs> That's what we've done. That's essentially it. Yeah, it's been it's been busy. We've had a lot going on. I had a, I had just an entire week that was a write-off because I had a, a course full day, Monday mm-hmm. to Friday, out of town. So it just kind of sucked out a whole week there. And Yeah, yeah we each been, had weddings to do. Yeah, we did wedding. My first wedding, COVID wedding. First funeral and first wedding, both COVID. Which, mm-hmm. we don't have to go too far into this, but... Um, you know, disappointing for the families in both situations because more people couldn't be there. Right. Limited in 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 what could happen. But from an officiant standpoint, from from a pastoral standpoint, um, very laid back in both. Yeah, it does change things. The expectation level was significantly lower than I think it normally is. Right. So that takes the pressure off for a newbie like me. Yeah. I mean, last time we talked about the fact that here you are just past your first full year in, in ministry and you've almost taught your way through the Bible and will have yeah. in your first 18 months. Uh, but at the same time, the greater majority of that will have been in a COVID world. Yeah, it's true. So when it comes time to actually get out and talk to people again, you're going to be like, <laughs> what's this? <laughs> what are people? Uh, anyway, what are we even talking about? We're talking about the Bible. We're, we're, we're here to talk about the Bible. We're in the Gospels. Reading through the Bible in a year. Yes. Yeah. And we're and we're it we're getting places in the Gospels. Yes. We're we're really moving through some things and, and by the end of this week's reading you'll be able to tell quite easily that we're we're getting close to the end. One of the things that we're moving through is a forest. What is that forest? This week. This week's forest. The forest is this whole idea of setting your house in order. Mhm. It's time time to Time to organize, declutter, yeah, clean things up a bit. Yeah, and so we're, we're going to see that kind of in three phases. The mm-hmm. first is going to be Jesus sort of establishing, you need to know who I am. Mm-hmm. After that, he's going to be very explicit in those war- warnings of set your house in order. That's right. Uh, and then after that, he's going to talk about, uh, in John in particular, he's going to talk about his work and the work of the Father and the work of the Spirit in empowering us to put our house in order. That's right. Yeah. So we start uh, with a very famous passage in Matthew 23 this week. Woe to the scribes and Pharisees. The seven woes. The seven woes, which seven biblical number defines kind of divine totality and the completion. completion. Yeah. Yeah. The completion. The completion of woes. Yeah. 
is not exciting. Jesus paints some word pictures. Mm -hmm. He, uh, yeah, he, he's really, uh, he uses the metaphor and simile quite a bit. Right. Um, what's interesting right at the get go, um, he reminds us, like, look, these Pharisees, they're sitting on Moses' seat. Do what they're telling you to do. And not what they're doing. But not what they're doing. Do as I do as they say, not as they do. That's right. Yeah. They preach, but they don't practice. Right. Right. And so it's just an interesting, it's an interesting idea, right? And 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 I mean the burdens that the Pharisees put on the people were significant and were heavy. Right. And as Jesus is calling them out, right, for these surface level things that they're doing, he doesn't necessarily like, for example, tithing of like the mint and the dill. Like the herb garden is like picking off little leaves and making sure they go to the temple. He doesn't say that's useless. He's like, yeah, do that. Sure. But don't neglect the weightier matters of the law. Right. Right. Like, like, you know, picking leaves off your plant in your garden is kind of pointless if you're not, you know, chasing after justice and mercy. Right. Those, those things, those, those core principles of what the law is really all about. Yeah, and I, I think what I think there's something the the heart wants for that, right? The the heart wants to be able to fill in the star chart. Right. Right? Yeah. We although we might think ourselves above it, we want for God to be our kindergarten teacher with the star chart. Yeah. And we can get uh maybe a complex star chart, maybe not mm-hmm. just gold stars, but also some silver stars. We understand didn't nail it, but I still got my star. Right. Right. And we want to be able to measure that. Mm-hmm. Because then we can look at it and we can have confidence that things are okay. I'm I'm with God. I'm getting it done. It's a measurable, tangible thing. Mm-hmm. But what we're really saying in that is, I'm getting it done. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm working toward this end, and not not Christ has brought me mm-hmm. thus far, mm-hmm. right? Not. As an expression of gratitude and love for him, I'm d- responding the way that he would have me respond. Mm. And it ends up being a works-based philosophy of salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Earn your stars. Instead of, since Christ has saved you, go and, and preach that gospel mm. in word and deed. In word and deed. That's right. To the world around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that's essentially the 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 gist of what what is being said here. There's little things that always kind of every time I read it, I'm like, how did people miss some of this stuff for most of church history? Stuff like don't call anyone father. Oh yeah. But then the Roman Church is just like everybody's a father. All I mean, all the priests are a father essentially. Right. Right. The forgive right. me, father, for I have sinned. You should you should call me a father. <laughs> the Bible says, no, you should really call me father. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I also okay. think about the I also think about all the scribes who were copying the Bible by hand, hmm. their vows of chastity in their monasteries. Hmm. And they Jesus goes and heals the mother in law of Peter. <laughs> our first Pope. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait just a second here. I want a mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah seriously. Peter had one. Yeah. Well, I mean, just goes to show why why they tried to suppress 
translating it into vernacular languages yeah for so long yeah but <laughs> back on topic sorry yeah the sorry. woe to, the woe to the pharisees is harsh but it it's is. not cruel no it's warranted and sorry in, yeah in verse 37 we have one of the most amazing things jesus says mm-hmm. oh jerusalem jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. See your houses, uh, see your houses left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hmm. That's tough. Mm-hmm. This, I, this is the way I see it. Jesus has presented to them. They're in an uproar. He sort of walks off, looks back over his shoulder, deep sigh. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after after this kind of showdown with the Pharisees where he's kind of calling them out, in Luke 20, they, they challenge his authority. Right. And... You know, understanding that he's he's making some big claims. He is making some big claims, and he's doing some big stuff. Yeah, and so we don't have to pretend like he has not done the majority mm-hmm. of his miracles mm-hmm. already by this point. Mm-hmm. So they say, "By what authority are you doing these things?" Right. How? Where is this power coming from? Right. And Jesus, rather than answer that question, says, "Let me ask you a question." Yeah. Jesus is not being evasive here. No. Like he's already answered this question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who he claims to be. Mm-hmm. And so they're asking him a question that's already been answered a number of times. Yep. And so Jesus just says, listen, I don't want to play your game. I don't have time for this. Mm. So he asks the question, what do you think of John the Baptist? <laughs> because they loved John the Baptist. Yeah, the people did especially. Yeah, but even like even the the Pharisees, the scribes, they were going out to hear him. Like there mm-hmm. there was a lot of intrigue about John the Baptist, and and so Jesus in front of everyone, they're they're challenging him, and Jesus says, "What do you think about John the Baptist?" And and all of the people around are like, "Ooh, yeah," and the eyes turn to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are like. They, they really show their hand here mm-hmm. because they're not trying to decide what they think about John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. They're trying to think of how to answer the question in a way that condemns Jesus and not them. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the question at hand. Yeah, they aren't concerned with truth. No. They, they're concerned with their own reputation. Right. And so what they say is, uh, if we say he's from heaven— then he will say, why did you not believe him? Right, because John the Baptist said, that's the Messiah right, right. there. Jesus, right. that's him. So they're going to be like, if we say it's from heaven, then Jesus is going to say, then you already know the answer to your own question. <laughs> and that you would ask me the question means you don't believe John the Baptist and the people here are going to turn on you. Mm-hmm. But if we say that it's from man that he's just crazy guy making this stuff up, not really sent from God, the people are going to turn on us anyway. Mm -hmm. So they come up with the only thing they can. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Jesus is like, all right, I'm not going to tell you then. Jesus is like, well, <laughs> funny, I can't think of it either. Yeah. And then goes into, immediately goes into the parable of the wicked tenants. Which we read at the end of last week. We have. But that, the parable of the wicked tenants, follows that conversation. Yeah. Is just brilliant. Yeah, it's significant. It's just brilliant. Jesus is like, I'm not going to answer your question. But I'll tell you a story. <laughs> and guess who you are in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and but we get a little bit more at the end of this one. Mm. At the end of it, he says, "It says when they heard this, they said, surely not. Yeah. Right. Surely he's not going to kick out the wicked tenants that had killed the son and driven out all the messengers. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. He's not going to give our vineyard to someone else. Right." But he looks at them directly and says, why do you think it's written that the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone? Hmm. Drop some Old Testament statements on them. Um, and, and Matthew doesn't, or Luke here doesn't tell us what has already been told to us by Mark hmm. and Matthew, that they knew, figured out, they perceived that this was about them. <laughs> yeah. And they went away. So then we get another situation where they come to him kind of with, you know, with kind of a false olive branch. And they say, you know, kind of trying to stroke his ego a bit. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Yeah. They think they've got him. They think they've got this silver bullet. Here we go. They think that so many times. Here we go. This is the question that's going to stump mm-hmm. Jesus. And suddenly, you know, he's going to, we're going to put him into a bind where he's either going to have to acknowledge Roman authority. Right. Or paint himself out as a rebel and then become an easy target for those Roman authorities. And they right. can deal with this problem for us. Right. Either he's going to be hated by the Jews for siding with Rome or hated by Rome for being a rebel. Mm-hmm. So either way he loses. Mm-hmm. But Jesus just says whatever. Yeah. I mean, it that belongs to them. Mm-hmm. Give it to them. Yeah. Give it back to them. Whatever. The bigger issue, give to God what's God's. Mhm. I think the likeness is interesting. Right, the, the the likeness of Caesar is on the coin, mm-hmm. and therefore it belongs to Caesar. And we as human beings are made in the image of God. There is a sense in which we we bear a measure of likeness with our Creator, right. and so everything about us belongs to Him. Right. So that's uh. Anyways, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. And then the Sadducees come. They got their own. They got their own fancy question. The Sadducees and the resurrection. Yeah. That, so this is this is. The background that makes this such an entertaining thing, Mm -hmm. right? The background is the major division between the Sadducees and the Pharisees was on the issue of supernatural. That's right. For some reason, the Sadducees wanted to believe in a holy creator God that had no supernatural attribute, Mm -hmm. right? No angels, spiritual messengers, no resurrection. No miracles. No miracles, right? We We want to put our faith in a God that exists in a realm that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird concept. I mean, it's hung around. I mean, that's liberal. Yeah, that's liberal. a lot liberal of liberal theologians. theologians will do the same thing. Yeah, that's what they are. Uh, but it's funny that they come to him and they're 
because you almost you almost want to throw in air quotes every time they say the resurrection, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the purpose of this is not to trip up Jesus with whose whose husband is this woman, mm. or which husband does this woman belong to in the resurrection? Right. The point I feel is more to say, here's the reason why your talk of the resurrection is silly. You're not considering all of the problems that the concept of a resurrection would cause. Mm. So they're coming at the concept of resurrection. And Jesus is just like, you don't know much about much, do you? No. Yeah. Like, his, his point is just to say, listen, it's not like that. Yeah. And then just sort of walks away from it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that we're married and procreate on earth is for the purpose of filling the earth. Mm-hmm. We don't need to do that in heaven, mm-hmm. so that won't exist. Yeah. yeah. One of the one of the coolest things my wife ever said to me we were we were talking about. I think we were doing a David Platt study on heaven and hell, and we were talking about heaven. And uh, Lindsay's like, "I'm sure that it would be great to see you in heaven, but you're not the reason I want to get to heaven." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We'll hang out, but there's a whole other purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's interesting, actually. For this is related to one of the one of the courses that I have. We we read a an allegorical book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce about heaven and hell, and uh, it's not a theological treatise really, but it it speaks to this whole idea of like your loved ones in heaven, like they're not if they are what you prize the most then you're not going to join them. Like that that's the reality, right? Like if your focus is on like being reunited with those people, like that will happen and that'll be a wonderful and glorious thing. Um and to share to, to be able to share an even deeper relationship than we we experience here and now. Mm-hmm. But uh if that's if that's what's if that's what's motivating you or that's what's what's, you know, encouraging you about the future um for our eternal state like check your heart because that's not what it's all about. It's the side dish. Yeah. It is not the main course. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's not what we came for. <clears throat> um be like going to your favorite restaurant and be like that restaurant has great chairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to get there and sit in that chair. <laughs> it's not why you went to the restaurant. Yeah. That's a terrible analogy. Yeah. Da- I just couldn't think of anything else. Yeah. Jesus Jesus then quotes Psalm uh 110 just to kind of emphasize whose son is the Christ, right? We talk about the Christ being the son of David, Mm -hmm. but David refers to him as Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. So if David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Right. Um, Yeah. Luke 21, the widow's offering. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating to me because the widow's offering is always taught the same way unless it's being taught by John MacArthur. Okay. Have you ever heard John MacArthur's take on the widow's offering? I have not. Okay, so John MacArthur says that the point of the the story in the widow's offering is a condemnation on the system, the tithing and offering system set up by the Jewish leadership that this woman would be compelled to give her last coin. Hmm. That that is the evil of it. Like, see, this woman walks away with nothing because of the system that would strip her of everything. I don't see it. 
I've never heard anyone else teach it that way, but I've heard John MacArthur teach it that way multiple times. He's actually quite famous for it. That's weird. I disagree. Yeah, I'd say read it, <laughs> read it twice. <laughs> I, I don't. Read it, read it twice, read it both ways, and say, yeah. I mean, I, I don't see it. Johnny Mac knows a thing or two. Oh, yeah, he does. But, no uh, disrespect. But, but yeah, that's just one that I, it's always been a peculiar interpretation. Like, whereas I have always felt the need to be inspired by this woman. Mm-hmm. And that that's what Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. He says, "No, this woman and this woman's act is a condemnation on mm. the Pharisees, yeah, and the Sadducees." So after that, the rest of Luke twenty-one, which actually pairs really very closely to the other synoptics, so Mark thirteen, Matthew twenty-four, right. we get this lengthy discussion that, uh, in another place, is referred to as the Olivet Discourse. Um which lays out things that are to come, right? So Jesus is foretelling the destruction of the temple and is letting people know what are the things that are, are going to be happening right. in the future. Right. And it ends with watch yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to say it like a 90s rapper. Watch, watch yourself. <laughs> uh, but yeah so the, the whole thing is just preparing them prepare your hearts understand these things are going to happen one of them is persecution mm-hmm. the destruction of Jerusalem mm-hmm. the coming of the son of man the fig tree mm-hmm. so look out yeah and this is significant like when a lot of times we as Christians we want to throw out this whole thing like there's no safer place to be than in the will of God Ultimately, that's true. Mm-hmm. In the moment, not necessarily. Not always. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. In fact, there are a lot of people that were in the center of God's will that that was the reason they lost their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's telling them. He's he's saying when when these things happen, when when awful things come upon you, you are going to be tempted to say, "God is not with me." or else these things wouldn't be happening. And mm-hmm. he says the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. I am with you. Mm-hmm. But remember, they are not. Yeah. They did this to me. They will do this to you. It's the expectation. We should mm-hmm. not be shocked. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked when Christians are shocked about persecution. <laughs> right, right, right. Because, because it's shocking that we haven't been persecuted for years. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Tim. I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Boom. Because at one point, Jesus, talking about all these things, says that this generation will not pass away before these things are fulfilled. <laughs> so some people say he's talking yes. to that generation. Right. Some people say, no, that this generation, he's talking about the generation that will be around when these things take place. And he's talking about things that are still to come in our future, not just the future of the people he was speaking to. Yeah, one of the things that we have a tendency to do is to make the Bible about me. The Bible is a storybook about me and everything that I need to know. Mm-hmm. But it's not. The Bible is a book about God mm-hmm. and what God is up to mm-hmm. and what he chooses to let people know. And so one thing that we we really have to do is stop reading ourselves into everything that takes place in the Bible and understand that um, we're on this journey 
but we're not alone on this journey. Mm-hmm. And dispensationalism has, has caused a lot of people to read things like this and always read it into this is speaking to me and my generation particularly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I truly believe that when he says this generation is going to witness these things, it, the partial preterist view is correct. He do, they do see these things happen. Mm-hmm. That Jerusalem falls, yeah, as he said, mm-hmm. right in and forty years. In forty years, which is a generation, <laughs> right? And uh, and and he comes in in a new way. He has been placed on the cross, mm-hmm. and he has resurrected. Mm-hmm. He has revealed himself to them, and his control is something that is taking place in a way that it hadn't before. All of these things have taken place within that generation. Mm-hmm. Dispensationalism wants us to believe that everything in Scripture, when it comes to the eschatos, has not yet happened. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly waiting. We're constantly waiting. Then and only then do we find trouble with passages like that, mm-hmm. where we just say, well, it doesn't mean what it so simply seems to mean. Yeah. Right? Well, so one I, of, I think it means what it says. Yeah. And so one of the things that like some people might get confused by is... Um, when he says in verse 27, they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And people like Jesus didn't show up when the temple was destroyed, but Mm. that exact same language is used in the old Testament when it's talking about the Lord coming with power and glory in the clouds to destroy Jerusalem when Babylon destroyed Jerusalem. Right. So there's like, he's, he's, he's inserting himself again, as he's always claiming divinity. Right. So those things are things that have happened. But as we continue on, there will be things that we see that are yet to come, the final judgment sure. and those types of right. things. But there is there is a dividing line. And I think, um, again, if we can use the Bible to interpret the Bible, when we see a phrase like this and we're like, well, what does that mean? Go and look and see where else similar wording, similar terminology has been used. And you'll understand that doesn't mean that Jesus in a physical form was floating on clouds above Jerusalem in AD 70. Right. And that's the only way he may have come in. He may have come as Rome. Yeah. Right. Just like the, just like the, just like God came as used Babylon as his tool in the old Testament. So anyways, um, look at that clock. We got to fly. Okay. We're not even halfway through. We got a lot of stuff. We we got some eschatology to talk about. Uh, yeah. Uh, so not, not a ton, but there, there are lots of issues of signs Mm-hmm. Warnings of the end time, what everyone is supposed to be prepared for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would just say wars and rumors of wars have always been a thing. Earthquakes, famines. Earthquakes, famines, always a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly even in that first century era where he's talking about when we say these things will have taken place mm-hmm. or did take place then, they did. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, Rome had been at peace for a long time and actually went to war with uh the parthians around mm-hmm. that scene so there was like there yeah anyways it's a it's if you de- read your history it, it it you can put the pieces together and it makes sense yeah yeah I, I so all of that to say there is something yet to come 100 percent. i hope so but <laughs> but there's no reason for us to read that all of it is yet to come right otherwise everything that took place with jesus and the cross and the resurrection and all that kind of stuff it just sort of happened and then stalled out inconsequentially mm. until all of these things take place. I don't believe that that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I don't believe that there's that kind of latency between the actions of Jesus and his rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we want to talk about abomination of desolation? Do we have time for that? Uh, <laughs> things will become abominably desolate. Right. <laughs> and the readers will understand. When the they readers see will understand. But, but right after he said, so abomination of desolation, this is something that is confusing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go into a lot of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a, there are a lot of schools of thought around it. Yeah, a right. lot of people see this as something to be anticipated. Mm-hmm. The abomination of desolation is something to come. Mm-hmm. I think the greatest abomination mm-hmm. that could have happened for the Jews takes place when there are particular sacrifices made in the temple. Mm-hmm. And it is laid desolate. Yeah. I would say the abomination of desolation happened in 70 AD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I would I would agree. But I would also say there are a lot of people that disagree with me. Some smart people. Some. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So. <laughs> that was arrogant. <laughs> that was arrogant just, beyond words. Just a little bit. That's okay. I was that was that was just for the for the sake of Let, humor. Let's go back to Matthew 25. So in light of these things that are coming Mm-hmm. In light of this judgment that is coming, uh, we get the parable of the ten virgins. Mm-hmm. Be ready. Be ready. Right? We get the parable of the talents. Again, use what God has given you faithfully now. Right. Um, Two things I like to point out in the parable of the talents because it's a very popular one. Mm-hmm. One, it is eschatological. Yeah, I think so. This is not just Christian living. This is dealing with what leads to the judgment. Mm. And two, God doesn't shrug his shoulders and say, hey, you could have done better. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. He, the language he closes with is not the language of, oh, that's a bit disappointing, son. Mm. Right? Cast him into hell. Yeah. So Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Both. Um, and then we get the final judgment. So then we get this the son of man coming in glory and the angels with him where he'll sit on his throne and everyone will be gathered and he will divide those on his right and those on his left. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Christ is the judge. Right. Um, and he determines who ends up where. Right. And, uh, and he talks about practical things for those who are faithful. I mean, we understand that the, that the good works that we do don't earn us our salvation, but they are necessary evidences. Right. Right? Yeah, I, I think I think what we take from this passage, um, those who say Jesus was all about peace and love, mm. and the church has turned it into judgmentalism, are wrong. Yeah. Jesus calls himself the judge. I. Mm. Uh, Two people who would say there's a difference between Jesus and God the Father because Jesus is all love and God the Father is all condemnation are wrong mm-hmm. because Jesus takes on that role and doesn't brush it off on the Father. And three, people who say, no, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but it just doesn't affect the way that I live or think. Or I really believe that that person's a believer. There's no fruit of it. Yeah, there's no evidence. But I, but but I just believe that they are, are also wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So then we get uh, another kind of grouping of chapters from the synoptics, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, which are all leading us up to a betrayal. Mm-hmm. So we get, we get the, we get the story of uh, Jesus's feet being anointed with very expensive oil. And, uh, and, and some of the, some of the disciples are like, what a, what a waste. You could have sold that. You could have given it to the poor. Right. And Jesus is like, no, it's fitting. These circumstances that are taking place, this, this is fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the reality, we, we, we get some insight into the fact that Judas is going to betray Jesus, um, which is, I try to understand what could have been going through Judas's head. Like, what was he trying to accomplish? Right. I mean, 30 pieces of silver isn't a negligible sum of money, but it's not an exorbitant one. No. He wasn't being offered millions here. This was not going to set him up for life forever and ever. Like, yeah. And I think in the end, he thinks what was going through my head. Well, yeah, we'll see that eventually, yeah. Right. And then, and then Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples, and we get the institution of the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. um, which is important, right? There, there, there are very few, there are very few um, ritual practices amongst the Christian church, or, the, or from a biblical ordinances. Um, there are very few. I mean, there's two. Not nine. There's not nine. There, there's two. Two. Um, and this is one of them, and. Uh, and so it's it's something that you know we do as a church on a regular basis. Sunday, this Sunday, yeah, we're doing it. I love it. Um, yeah, and so this is an important thing for us. I mean, Jesus is giving them the ultimate object lesson that can be practiced time and time again. Right. Um, Jesus foretells Peter's denial, and Peter says, "You're crazy." In no way. The other guys might. You know what you might have done, Jesus? You might have mistaken me for one of them because I could see him doing that. Yeah. But not me. Yeah. I'm all in. How would you like to be the guy sitting next to Peter when Peter says, Yeah. You might have been thinking about them. Yeah. Just be like, hey, like Bartholomew or something. Just be like, well, what the heck, man? What am I to? Here's (laughs) here's what I take from the whole Peter thing Mm. never ever assume yourself above it. Yep. When we read about pastors who have fallen and and it's happened, like it's been in the news recently, I, I don't want to get into names or whatever, we all struggle. Always be on guard. Mm. And I, I even heard of a pastor one time say that he, he keeps newspaper clippings of all of these things. Mm. And when he feels himself struggling, he opens up a filing cabinet full of his peers wow. and people that he's looked up to and just reminds himself, you are not above this. Wow. However solid your church thinks you are, mm-hmm. you're not above this. Wow. Um, and, and I think it's true for everyone, mm-hmm. but I think as pastors, it's there's a, a particular emphasis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Peter's not above it. On the flip side, it's not a weight too heavy for the cross hmm. because we'll see at the end of John. Yeah. Peter's forgiven. Yeah. Spoiler. So from there, Jesus goes into the garden at Gethsemane. 
and mm-hmm. he's feeling it. He is. He's feeling the pressure. We see the the humanity of Christ. Yeah, and and I think his prayer is very important. Mm-hmm. I think I think of all of the things we can learn from Jesus, the weight of what we can learn inside of this prayer mm-hmm. guides the way we pray and the way that we look at the will of God. Mm-hmm. To say, God, this is what I want, mm-hmm. but mostly what I want is your kingdom come and your will be done on mm-hmm. earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Not my will, but yours. I also think that it's becoming increasingly prudent for us. I, I don't know if any other generation has ever needed to point this out to their church. It, he says in there, if it's your will, mm. which is something that has probably always been glossed over. I, 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 I should go back and read ancient commentary on this. That would have been a better idea than just saying it. Mm. Um, but we live in a day and time where we have to point out those words because we live amongst the people who say, uh, who have faith in faith, mm. and they say the strength of your faith determines whether or not God is going to listen to your prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, to say if it's your will is a cop out. Mm. I've had, I've, I've been yeah. in places where they're like, we're going to do a healing, and we're not going to say if it's God's will because we're just going to know that it is mm-hmm. because we have that kind of faith. Mm-hmm. And and I've had people sit in my office and say, uh, we talk about healing and what, it, how I pray for healing and how they pray for healing, and they say, well, the problem is. When you say, God, if it's your will, you're, it's a cop-out. Mm. You're making a, a sort of exit strategy so that if your faith doesn't, isn't strong enough to heal them, then you've got something to fall back on. Yeah. It is not a cop-out. Mm-hmm. It is the greater expression of faith. Mm-hmm. It is to say, I don't know best. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. Do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's literally following after Christ as we pattern our prayers. Right. It's, it's literally saying what he has said. And, right. But I, yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the, the error that, I mean, I've heard time and time again is this idea that like, it is always God's will to improve your situation. It is always God's will to heal you. It is always God's will to bless you in tangible ways. It is always God's will to remove the pressure that you're feeling. And that's just, that's wrong. It was God's will to crush, to crush him. him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that soapbox was tall. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, we see Jesus be betrayed, which is an interesting scene. One mm-hmm. of the things, the thing that, I mean, we, we say this sometimes, but you read through something that you've read through many, many times before. And when Judas sees him, he greets him, greetings rabbi, and kisses him. And Jesus says to him in Matthew 26, friend, do what you came to do. <laughs> I want. I I feel like it's at that point when Judas goes. Oh my goodness! What have I done? Like, you, there's got to be the point when you say what happened. I feel like that's it. Yeah. Mm. And Peter comes flying in. Yeah, I would totally be Peter. Who do people say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Mm-hmm. But lucky for you, I'm here. <laughs> Because you know what God needs? God needs a hero. Mm. God needs me to save him. Can you imagine what kind of state this world would be in if I wasn't here to guard God? <laughs> I mean, I always, see, I always feel, I feel that Peter gets a bad rep in this. I think he does too, but I think like, he earns it. <laughs> like if somebody walked in, like if we were doing a service and some armed, gu- like armed guy walked in trying to kidnap you, I'm going to kick him in the head. Like, that's what I'm going to do. 
I'm not Jesus fulfilling I know, the I know, eternal destiny I of know, all humankind for to ins- to begin the process I, of redeeming all creation. I know, but in the heat of the moment, man. <laughs> the heat of the moment. Anyways. I'm glad you got my back. Yeah. At least I, you did until I started picking on you. Now <laughs> yeah, you're we'll like, see. you know what, loudmouth, you're on your own. We'll see. We'll see how serious it gets. Um then we get the the last thing before we get into the, the few chapters of John that clean up the, the end of the week. Uh, we do see Peter's denial of Christ. Yep. It happens. And, Je- and Jesus makes eye contact with him. Oh, man. Oh, dude. That's heavy, man. Like, we, we talk about things like, oh, my heart dropped. Like, in this sort of metaphorical thing. How do you not just literally hit the floor? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then we kind of, with the last day's reading, with a f- few chapters of John, we kind of backtrack a little bit. Because what John is giving us is a more detailed account of the teaching that Christ gives to the disciples right. on the night of the betrayal. But it's it's... It's it's probably, you know, apart from maybe the Sermon on the Mount, one of the largest collections of continuous teaching. Yeah, you're going to need some extra time on November the 10th mm. to get through the reading. Because yeah. it's long. It's long. And it's But intense. I'm so glad they kept it all unified. Yeah, me too. This is, this is us getting an opportunity, thanks to John, to sit at the table with the disciples as Jesus is sweating it out knowing that the hour has come. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, he has some great things to say to them. Mm-hmm. It culminates in chapter 17 where he stops talking to them and he prays. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's so much in here, and we've already gone over time, so we can't break it all down. Um, everything that's included here, but Jesus is is. It feels like a locker room pep talk before the biggest game of your life. He's like, things are gonna get crazy. Things are gonna get intense. You have no idea. Yeah, but at least big the, things. The first line is just let not your hearts be troubled. First thing, look, let's get that out of the way. Don't worry, right? I'm going, but I'm but I, there's going to be a helper who's going to come and he's going to guide you and Remain he's going to Remain in me. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 whole thing about the true vine, you are going to be hated. Like don't like don't be surprised when the world hates you. And and you kind of touched on this earlier too like it always grinds my gears when people are shocked that this culture just hates mm-hmm. the the word of God and the person of God, but it's like of course they do. Or or sometimes like churches will do the whole thing where they're just like we got to we got to bridge the gap, the culture gap, mm-hmm. so that people realize that we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> and they can be cool by being a Christian. Yeah. The point is not that we're jerks for the sake of being jerks. No, never. The point is that the gospel itself is offensive. Mm. And that that we believe is offensive. Mhm. Right. Yeah. The fact that we believe in objective truth, the fact that we believe in the fallenness of man. That we believe that certain things that people do are wrong, are sin, yeah. <laughs> and will lead them 
to a, an eternity apart from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus knows that the culmination of the the persecution and the rejection and the hatred of the world will seem heavy and weighty. Right. Right. And and he says like yeah in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world. Past so tense. All of yeah, yeah, which is interesting. Um, all of these things that that come against us, and and you know it's possible that we might see a season in the years to come where the pressure gets heavier on the mm-hmm. church in our culture. Um. No matter what the world might throw at us, it is a world that has been overcome and a world that will one day be redeemed. And it's awesome that John has this because John gives the spoiler at the very beginning in chapter one. The mm. darkness has come against him. Mm. But it's not overcome. But it's it. not overcoming. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's. Yeah. And the priestly prayer, the priestly prayer, really cool because Jesus obviously glorifies his father. Right, he he prays for himself for the work that is about to that he's about to do, prays for the disciples, mm-hmm. and their special role that they're going to play in what's to come, but then he prays for us. Yes, yeah. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I have divided John seventeen in a very into a very pastoral seventeen parts, <laughs> and I've never taught it. It's just sitting on uh, my computer here maybe when we finish matthew Mm -hmm. we'll do a 17 part series Mm. uh that would be like what 2023 yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) sounds like it could be a good book too. a 17 part series on uh john 17 Mm. it's it would probably one of those things would be like it's better divided into 16 or 18 parts but 17 parts of John 17. You can make it work. That's just, yeah. <laughs> That's what the publishers want. <laughs> so. That's great. That's great. Um, highlights for you? Oh. How do you pick one, right? Yeah. I I would say the whole last day. Mm. Just when you consider what's going on, that Jesus is sitting here with these men that he has had so many ups and downs with. He's been raising them along. This is a dad sitting with his kids Mm. saying, listen, I got to go. I don't, I don't want to go, but I have to go. I got some things that I just want to drive home. Some of them I've been teaching you all along. Some of them, might be new, but I just got some stuff I want to share with you. Mm. Hmm. That's that's big, and mm. and and doing it in a way that he says, "This is some this is some big stuff." Like not only not only am I leaving you, so that I can go through some hard stuff. You're going to go through hard stuff because of me. Hmm. I've brought this on you. I just wanted to let you know that. Hmm. And I want to tell you, hang in there. It's it's huge. Mm-hmm. 14 through 17 yeah. are just... I, I'm so grateful that John preserved this mm-hmm. for us to see what was going on so that not... John Calvin says the synoptics show us the story of Jesus and John shows us his heart. Yeah. And I think that's particularly true 
in this section mm-hmm. where the others give us the events of that last day and that night and the arrest and everything. And John says, but let me tell you what was said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, for me, uh, the show, the showdown with, uh, with Caiaphas and the council mm-hmm. and the, you know, the witnesses are coming against him and there's false witnesses. And then there's some witnesses saying, well, he said he was going to destroy the temple, which, you know, Jesus actually did say that. Um, and the high priest says to him, you know, by the living God, tell us if you're the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus is like, yeah, you said it. But I'll tell you from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He's like, you see me now. You're going to do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But the next time you see me, it's going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. I uh, just like. Yeah, I. I. I love that. Yeah. Right now you're on the judgment seat. Mm-hmm. But later I will be. Mm-hmm. And then it's really going to matter. Yeah. So no, that's what that was my highlight. Yeah. Well, it's been a long one. It has been. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Sorry we made you late for work, Vicki. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.